This podcast was recorded on Gadigal land. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. I am a little bit excited to introduce comedian and all-round excellent human Cal Wilson, who's going to talk about a cult. Hello. Hello. I don't think I've ever been asked to do this before. I mean, talk I, about I, cults or no, talk. No one's ever said, "Hey, do you want to talk about a cult?" I have, but <laughs> <laughs> but I don't need to be asked much because I will at the drop of a hat. What started you off with your obsession? Oh, I used to I used to be into serial killers, but just true crime in general. And I mostly like when narcissists get their comeuppance. Yeah, right. When you started to say I used to be into serial killers, I thought you were going to say I used to be in two cults. And <laughs> you were like, you got one, out. You were like, oh, I don't think that was so bad. You went and now you're back out. Yeah, third time's a charm. <laughs> I will tell you, I think most of my listeners are into cults, but some of them, I think, especially the international ones, just like a bit of a Southern Hemisphere accent. Oh, and we're providing like quite a wide range today. It's a two for the price of one, like Antipodean twang. (laughs) I'm I'm glad I could be of service. And I do have something else to admit as well, that my my test to see if I should have another drink or not is to see if I can say, with a Kiwi accent, anti-disestablishment Irenism. Wow, that was so spooky. Was it okay? It sounded like you had had a drink. <laughs> um, That's uh, just my voice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was pretty good. Do you know who does an amazing, um, or used to do an amazing Kiwi accent? Michael J. Fox. Really? Yeah, so he did a movie called The Frighteners. I don't know if you've seen it. but it's great. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it will obviously be of its time when you watch it now, but it was a really great um, horror film uh, that Peter Jackson did. Um, and Michael J. Fox played the, uh, it was set in America, but filmed uh, outside Christchurch in, yeah. in Wellington. And Michael J. Fox was interviewed on some show and he did this amazing Kiwi accent. Like, I love it when people can do Australian and New Zealand accents. I think I think it's easier to, for us to go the other way. Like American accents have that really like strong R. Yes. And so it's hard for the American to leave that behind to come over our side of the world. Yeah, I feel I feel like other people doing our accents have to flatten it out and sort of remove a lot of the bumps on the graph. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I remember flying back to Australia once and there was a couple from Queensland. I don't know if they were from Queensland, but that's who I've decided I've decided that they were. But yeah, you like, can tell. Like an old uh, farming couple and it was like they'd swapped voices. I mean, he had a really high kind of nasally voice. He had a really deep voice. And I was like, that is the most Australian thing I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, they were from Queensland, yeah. for sure. <laughs> All right, who are we talking about today? Tell me your stupid name. Tell me your stupid name. Talk about Camp David um, outside Christchurch, which oh. is in town. More commonly known as the God Squad. 
and less commonly known as the full gospel mission. Never go half gospel, Cal. Always no, full, full gospel. gospel. Full gospel. Tell me about how, why you suggested this one. Um, because I went there on a school trip. Oh, I love that. Which, look, looking back, like I was thinking about this morning going, can it possibly true, be true that we went on a school trip? But I vividly remember it. And I also remember um, going through some stuff as a teenager and throwing out bits and pieces and finding the pamphlets that we got <gasps> from Camp David. But I threw them out, Joe. Oh, Cal. I threw them out. I've, this is the first time I've ever been disappointed in you. I know. I'm disappointed in myself. I've kept everything else. Um, but it is also making me want to go up in the attic and see if I did <laughs> by chance keep yeah. something. <sighs> Oh, but the fact that they had pamphlets. Yeah. I mean, I suppose cults have to advertise, do they? Look, was not the- generally. I think that it's the opposite. They tend to like flying under the radar a yeah. bit. Yeah, but- so they, they, had, they had pamphlets. I remember they had the kind of – because we thought it was quite castly because it sort of had those um, out turrets. of – Turrets. The parity kind of um, pattern on them. And I remember that being on the pamphlet and I think it was basically just kind of like come and have a lovely time at Camp David. So when we say that they don't, you know, that they don't advertise often, they also don't advertise well. No. (laughs) Before we get into some facts, can you tell me what you remember about that school trip? I remember that there were lots of people doing the gardening. Like I remember... (laughs) That kind of it was a little bit like oh we're all tilling the fields, but I think it was it was in within the walls, and that all the women had head scarves and were dressed in long dresses, and to me that seemed really medieval. Like it felt like so we're talking forty plus years ago when I went, mm. um, but I've had this feeling that it felt a little bit like Little House on the Prairie or something, or possibly something more medieval. Like it did feel like a fascinating place, and I remember being impressed by the walls because it was the closest thing to a castle. That I had made of seen at that point. made of sort of besser blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> you know, like like a probably economy, like an entry level castle, not like your premium castle. <laughs> but, like, you know, your first home castle, it's like your first castle for, for you know young buyers. Yeah. Entry level castle, beautiful. And I do like that you went to visit a cult, and instead of weird rituals or you know, murders and things or people drinking Kool-Aid, you noticed a lot of people doing the gardening. Oh, gardening, a lot of gardening and in practical clothes, you know, like why would you do your gardening in a long dress, like the worst possible outfit? That's right because once a cricket gets up there, it's really hard to get it oh, out. Oh, my God, you know what you've just reminded me of? Uh, <gasps> one of the most horrifying gigs I've ever done. I'm sorry, this is not being very culty yet. I did a gig outside Kananara in a sugarcane field next to a rum distillery and it was an outdoor oh. gig. And they had these big spotlights on the stage that sort of shot straight up into the air. And it looked really amazing. But what it also did was attract millions and millions of insects. No. It's a nighttime gig. And it was like a biblical plague. Like it really, like it is no exaggeration <laughs> that it felt biblical. Like it just, it was like, it was like rain coming up from the ground, but all of the raindrops had six legs. Like it was no. so horrifying. I swallowed at least six things as I was hosting a gig. <laughs> Um, Danielle Walker was on, she was wearing a short dress and I know that she had visitors um, <gasps> like horrifying um, Daniel Connell stopped in the middle of a joke to go, oh I've just been bitten on the nipple by something 
And oh, half his luck. The worst, the worst thing was it was a two night gig, so we had to come back the next night. And we knew we knew that the apocalypse was happening, um, <laughs> and so I bought everyone mosquito net hats. You know the, so the yes. green hat with the mosquito netting. Josh Earl was playing a guitar. A cricket got no. in to his mosquito net hat and he no. couldn't get it out. It was a giant cricket. He couldn't get it out because he had both hands on his guitar. So he had to keep singing while being bombarded in the face by a cricket. <gasps> I am terrified of two things only mm-hmm. in this world. One is vomiting and the other one is grasshoppers and crickets. Wow, we are so similar um, because <laughs> vomiting also for me, um, although I did throw up on the grounds of the MCG in front of a press photographer, so that was exciting. I'm tear- You can't see me, but I'm tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> I hate vomiting so much. Um, but, yeah, I was there, for a, uh, was there for like a charity event, like the Pink Lady, BCNA Pink Lady thing where you yep. form the shape of a, a woman in, uh, in the MCG and it's like represent all of the people affected by breast cancer. So I'm forming really- the shape of a woman right now. <laughs> you do great job. Thanks. 14,000 people to make you. Um, okay. So it, it was a really emotional event. I hadn't even I got overheated in my pink poncho. Oh no. I got very overwhelmed as we were leaving the field and the 40 players were coming on to play their match. I kind of fell to my knees and then just threw up at this guy's feet and I looked up and he was a it was a photographer and he was like, <laughs> It's all right, mate, I won't take any. And I was like, Thank you so much as I watched my sad little vomity face. Oh, and that vomit photographer or vomit non photographer, if you're listening, good on you. Thank you so much, vomitographer. Right. Um and also my other fear is moths. I hate moths. I'm okay with moths, but I am cross with the way that they're dusty. Yes, they leave powder everywhere. I'm cross with them as a genre because one of them tried to fly <laughs> into my mouth. And oh. It was quite a large moth, um, quite traumatic. Uh, no. I, I don't mind crickets. I don't mind grasshoppers. I'm scared of praying mantises, though, <laughs> as well, because my brothers told me that they could rip your fingers off. And so I think your brother's – may be lying without knowing any facts but I just don't like them because they seem like they just know more than other insects yeah Yeah. all right yeah all right so we've done some great discussion of Camp David all right (laughs) well we'll start it there's not a lot of information about the leader before he started Douglas Metcalf was born in Dunedin and please correct my pronunciation of any place names Um, I have Dunedin Dunedin's pretty straightforward you've got it Great. And Dunedin is home to Baldwin Street, the steepest street in the world. Yes. There you go. Is there anything else about Dunedin we need to cover? Um, Dunedin is a student town. The University of Otago is down there and like physio school and things. Oh, so it's a drinking town. It's a drinking town. And it's so when you go to watch the rugby, you just, you can take your couch. Like, so lots of... (laughs) People would just go in their shitty old couches to sit on the terraces at the rugby. What else happens in Dunedin? That's no, that I'm sorry. Bringing your couch to the rugby yeah. is all we need to know. Yeah. And you know, if you've got a huge, you can leave it in the back of the huge, but you can. Yeah. Also, I think a lot of sofas tended to get set alight at some point. Perfect. Um, and you don't want to drag. You you want to live uphill from the stadium. You don't want to be dragging your couch up Baldwin no, Street. No. You'd probably roll, right. you'd roll it to the bottom and then you'd watch the rugby in it and then you'd set it on fire because you're not taking it back up. <laughs> Done. It's a three-point process. Um, there's a good movie set in Dunedin called Scarfies. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, with Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Al 
Al Pacino goes to physio school um, and it's all about how he meets this woman when they are fighting over the same couch that's on fire having been left at the rugby. Seen it. Um, <laughs> Equal wasn't as good. Not as good. No. And he started Metcalf Douglas. Let's call him Dougie. Don't you? Get off, you just get off track. You just. Oh, it's so easy and. What a fly mind you have. So he started as a door-knocking evangelist because everyone loves those in the 50s. I mean, I guess it must work. I mean, I guess. I guess. But I'd love, I'd love to know what the take-up rate, though, is of an evangelist coming to your door. Because there's anyone I don't know coming to my door is automatically on the, on the back foot. Yes, like why, why are you here? Although apparently he was charismatic. But a lot of the members were from the nearby Air Force base. So maybe oh. he just hit on something that converted a lot of those people and then just stuck with it. Yeah. And an opportunity for you to correct me if necessary as well. First, they were just on Eureka Street in Aranui. Is that right? Yep, that, that's the way I would pronounce Aranui. Um, Great. And then they moved to Waipara. Wiper. In 1974, Actually, it would probably you probably uh, should be wiper or uh, wiper. Oh, I've got to get the the uh, right. Uh, mm. um, it's cool because I haven't lived in New Zealand for 17 years. Maori pronunciation amongst Pakeha or white people is so much better, I think, than it was. And and when you hear it on the news and everything, everyone makes a real effort to pronounce everything correctly. But I grew up in Christchurch, in a very white <laughs> city, and so I have like. My instinct is outdated pronunciations, which are not at all good. I went because I, um, I've always said uh, Maori as mm-hmm. just Maori, and not realizing I was saying it wrong. But now I'm I do take a, a lot more care, and I could watch Maori pronunciation videos forever. It's it's a pretty beautiful language, I reckon. What? It's really hard to tell what these guys believe I, I guess they were evangelizing by having us there I mean the fact that they were kind of open for visits yeah it feels more open like but are cults like that are they like come and have a day out mostly it's keep out yeah and keeping to themselves and I am surprised with this one although I suppose they were quite proud of the community they'd built but all I could gather was it was really sort of fundamentalist Christianity mm. and bit of a mashup as well of Judaism and Islam because uh, Dougie went to the Middle East a lot. Did he? I didn't know that. I don't think we ever saw him. What were the men wearing? Do you remember when you were there? No, I, was, I think I was just taken by the headscarf's long skirts combo. Yeah. I'm a, now I'm kind of imagining them as being kind of like extras in the fiddler on the roof, like kind of yes, like shirts with flumpy arms and braces and – those little caps. Because one of the women's jobs in this cult is to crochet those little, so they're kind of like skull caps, but they're crocheted by the women. The other weird thing that um, I only realised when I knew we were going to be talking about this is the Mm. fact that there were, they had weapons buried in case there was a communist invasion. And there's, there's a possibility that some of them are still there. I read that too. And I just think, let's get some metal detectors and go on a road trip 
and see if we can dig up some old weapons because we'll get we might go into this a, a bit later but like a typical cult they had some paranoia and so they armed themselves also that is such not a kiwi mindset like i i'm i thought know, that too generalization here we, we're not like a gun culture in the same way that america is you know like we're we're it's acceptable to say things like don't get me wrong i love guns like whereas in new zealand <laughs> i think I think of it as being all well, farmers have rifles and that's for rabbits. It's- yes, and that's it. Yeah. I agree. You know, you don't think of militaristic Kiwis much. No. Which is nice. Good on you. Good on you guys. <laughs> it's a personal um, effort that I've, <laughs> I've made of a mission just to calm everyone down. It's working. Most of the people at Camp David thought that thought that Dougie was Jesus. Imagine thinking a guy called Doug was the Messiah. Well, you know, that is also Doug is quite a good Kiwi name. <laughs> you know, I guess it's relatable. I guess. Yeah, I guess. And but... spelled backwards, it's good. Oh, look at you. Good. <gasps> good. 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 And he called himself a bishop as well. And I can't get over any photos of him, and I'll put some of these up on the on the Zealot Facebook page, but robes that had been hand-sewn by, by followers and medals, which I'm not sure were legitimate. I mean, he's living his best life, isn't he? Like he's obviously Doug is pleased with the way things are going. True. And it's, uh, I think next time I'm amazed at something, I'll just go, well, stick a medal on me and call me Doug. <laughs> but I like that he's also, he's God and a bishop. Kind of like going, um, I'm my son's mother, but I also say that I'm his aunt because I really Don't, love being an auntie. Can I be an auntie to your cats, please? Because oh, yeah. I look at those on Instagram and I love that. Yes, they need, they need as many support people as possible. <laughs> that count me in. <laughs> the beliefs, there's a there's a few. Some of them are kind of classic. Like they believe that they were privileged. There's about 350 of them at their peak. And they believe that they're the selected few and that they're all going to the promised land and everyone else is going to burn crisply in wow. hell. That is not a good hit rate, is it? Like if you if you go that God created the world and how many, 7 billion people? No, is that how yeah. many people on earth? Sure. And sure. out of 7 billion, only 350 turned out any good. Is heaven a lot smaller than we've been led to believe? <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it's just like a nightclub. Like it really is that small. Like, <gasps> I wonder if they have to do social distancing. Oh, no. We have to build. In heaven. There's a park in heaven now so we can there can be more people because they're yeah. outside. But if listeners, if you're in heaven and you know if they're practicing social distancing up there, zealotpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. I'm still I'm still stuck on the fact that God made seven billion people but only three hundred and fifty worked. Like if if you were making biscuits, like you'd give up making biscuits, wouldn't you? After the first billion when they were weren't right. Twelve. Yeah, twelve. Uh, maybe it's all in the headscarves and covering no, because that even then that's an easy one and a half yeah. billion well like the queen would be fine like when she's on her estate at windsor she's true true but not with a, a you know with a slutty tiara 
<laughs> and her her disgraceful knee length skirts. Queen Elizabeth, what a hussy! What a hussy. Everyone thinks so. <laughs> so the other main belief that I'm not a massive fan of is that women were inferior. Mm. Uh, they're not really worth educating, although some of the followers were allowed to go to uh, school outside the compound. But their main purpose is to be mothers and housewives. <laughs> yeah. So do your chores at the front end and pop some kids out the back. Yes, maybe maybe that's why they wear the long skirts through the gardening because they're, they're giving birth and they're just containing the babies in the skirt, like, Oh, nice. Maybe yeah, cr- crickets out, yeah. kids in. Yeah. Perfect. They're also, just as a cute little PS as well, women are also the cause of all sin and are not to be listened to or oh. trusted. It's, see, I find, I find that so fascinating. It's because it's, I'm venturing to suggest that in most cults, women are inferior and shouldn't be trusted. How do you get into those as a woman? Like, what? That's a good, I think, partly born into. Yeah. But, yeah, I wonder if that trend, that cult trend is dying out. Yeah, how has the Me Too movement affected cults? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it is a weird thing to me. Like I, I, a Hare Krishna monk came to my door once with some books, some free books, uh, and I took the books because he was quite hot. And mm. um, I read them and in it, it said something about um, women have the mind of a child and need to be guided like children, so some kind of thing like that. And I was hoping that he would come back. Uh, he never did. But I wanted to go, what, what, is, what is the incentive for me to join this cult when you yeah. put on one shit? Like, like, I mean, I guess if you're going to be in a cult, there's got to be something going on with your self-esteem anyway. For this sort of cult, yes, yeah. I'd say so. Or just, I mean, there is appeal in the fact that life is hugely simple in a cult like this, particularly for a woman. It's basically wear what you're told, do what you're told, marry who you're told, and milk the cows. And you don't have to think about stuff. I don't yeah. I don't think the payoff is big enough. <laughs> I don't think so either, but I think we've got our – there's a fictional T-shirt for every episode of this podcast – and I think so far the front runner is do what you're told, wear what you're told, marry who you told, milk the cows. Yeah, yeah. Good. But it would have to be a long sleeve T-shirt and be quite loose and high neck. That's right. Maybe with a floral pattern. Yeah. He quite liked a floral pattern on his on his women. I mean, that's a, that's a level of attention to detail, isn't it? Like where I like everyone to wear floral patterns. Maybe he had a thing for couches. Like maybe he, he went to school <laughs> in Dunedin, went to uni in Dunedin. Uh, Went to the rugby, saw a bunch of chintz couches and thought, I'd like me a woman like that. I would like to marry one of those. Oh, there it is. You've cracked it. (laughs) (laughs) We touched on it earlier, but the third kind of belief, so we've we've got a bit of Judaism and Islam. We've got the promised people and we've got women are shit. Yeah. And the third one is that either communists and or aliens were probably going to invade them. I mean it's interesting because Whitecra as a as a town is not massive. It's not like the beehive isn't in Whitecra. Like it's not where I think if you were communists or aliens you probably wouldn't you want to take over somewhere with more impact. 
Or maybe they start small as well. Maybe they want to get in at, at the entry-level castle and maybe. work their way out. Well, yeah. I, see, what I'm what I'm forgetting, of course, is that they're the 350 chosen people and that communists and aliens would know that and they'd be like, we don't want those other people. We want these people that are getting into nightclub heaven. They're the chosen people. During the week I showed Cal a video of this ex-cult member, Serafina, who was talking about her life in the cult. Wasn't she wonderful? Oh, she was amazing. Amazing. So amazing. And uh, she was, she's done a few interviews and things since leaving and about this alien thing, I'll quote from her from an SBS interview. She says, we were told that aliens could come to Earth at any time and that we had to ask specific questions to confirm which ones were from the real Jesus Christ and which ones were imposters. I thought of Blade Runner, like if you have to ask them to test if they're a real alien or a proper alien sent by Jesus Christ, you have to ask them about a tortoise? That's I mean, quite bizarre. When we were little, we had like a family word in case uh, one of us was kidnapped. Saying this out loud sounds quite strange now that I'm. No, no, no. I think I, my sister and I had a thing about we'd just talk about a sailboat. Yeah, right. Uh, ours, ours were if we even need to needed to establish that the person we were speaking to was in fact a real family member. Was they had to name what we called elephants as children. <gasps> my two brothers and I had different words for elephant. Uh, I think it's safe to say them out loud now. I, I, I was about to say, are you okay with that? Yeah, I think so. So it was uh, Impel, Felon, <gasps> oh. and Fint. So Impel, Felon, and Fint. That was... I love Fint as a name <laughs> for an elephant. So so maybe 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 that's just like a family thing. We go, well, we've got to check out that it's a real Jesus. Ask him something that only real Jesus would know. That's the new T-shirt, just a picture of an ele- a kid's drawing of an elephant and the word Fint. <laughs> Perfect. Um, they also kind of so they believed that a communist invasion was imminent. And, I mean, this was the 70s mostly when they were at their peak. And so everybody's indoctrinated with this idea that communists would capture them and tattoo, it's not clear, either 666 on their forehead or a barcode, which would prevent their passing into the promised land. I know. So if you're barcoded, then that's the mark of the beast so you can't get into the promised land and the communists were going to come and mark them like this. And so they freaked out when FPOS cards came out because they were like, is that is that like a barcode? Should we get one? Should we not get one? Wow. Yes. Well, also, you know, I, I've been underestimating communists. Like I just thought... I just thought they just wanted to be in charge while appearing not to be in charge. But no, there's a whole there was a whole sorting system that they had going on. How many t-shirts are there going to be? I've been <laughs> underestimating communists. <laughs> <laughs> but because of this paranoia, there was a they had like a commando unit in the cult. I didn't know any. This does not work in with school children. Maybe they kept the armed commando group hidden from the school visits. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that probably. I don't remember that being on the brochure either. But it was called the Special Services Group. That sounds like uh, an advertising agency now. <laughs> We've come up with a great new ad uh, by the Special <laughs> Services Group. 
So that's why they had all these weapons and they were raided twice in 1977 and 1987. And in the first one, they uncovered weapons, but after I think two years found out that they were legally acquired, there were just shitloads of them. And in the second raid, uh, they got, they were tipped off. So that's when they buried all these weapons. If you're, you find yourself near Wiperer along State Highway 7. Yeah. Well, next time I go home and see my parents, whenever that, is allowed. There I, you go. Dig yourself up a ooh. semi-automatic. Yeah. I don't know. It's like looking at a cute stuffed animal, but when you take its head off, there's a knife. Like It's exactly like that. Like you kind of go, oh, that's a harmless, weird knick-knack. And then you're like, oh, shit, no, it can cut someone. I feel like, you know, and my childlike view of this cult was just like, oh, it's just some people that aren't into electricity kind of like... <laughs> I don't know when they were or not, but you know, like it just felt like, oh, you're out, you're you're from another time, um, yeah, and quite harmless. But then, the, then discovering that there's like a cache of weaponry, some of which may still be there, and you know, all of the shit that Doug Metcalf was doing, you're like, yes. how did we not notice that? Because we we kind of we started whimsical and we're going to get a bit darker, yeah. but we'll, you know, in a sec. Take me to your The compound is remarkable. So we've got 48 hectares and it's a waste of wine country on the South Island. <laughs> is it only cults that use the word compound as well? Like is that a strictly cult? I think so. When you listen to this, one of my jingles about a compound would have just played. <laughs> so, or there's army compounds, but mm, mm. which as we've just discovered, this sort of is. Yeah. But it is it is bizarre looking. So as I said, it's a better block castle with turrets and white painted tires that you find you know around people's gardens where there's no curbs yeah. and he really loved that medieval castle theme so much that there was a heraldic artist on site that would paint you know coats of arms bananas. And it's bizarre but most of the Dougie lived in a six-bedroom house, but everyone else was in like converted buses and tents. But they looked like, uh, you know, those heraldic tents with flags on the top. Oh, so they were yeah, fancy. But it just again, I'll put there's some really good images of it in that video of Serafina speaking, and I'll put that on the Zealot Facebook page as well. But it's just it would have made a great school excursion yeah like I mean mean, it's the only one I really remember except for going to the art gallery like that's the only two that I remember because the difference between the art gallery and the Camp David compound is you don't walk around the Camp David compound going well I could do that yeah (laughs) (laughs) what's that you call that art and I was an art teacher so I had to answer that (laughs) I had to answer why is that art all the time um Yes, I love taking my husband around art galleries because he just does not love them. And yeah. I went to a Miro gallery, I think, in Spain once back when you could go away and I just really enjoyed him commentating, it's just a blue line. Anyone could do yeah. that. <laughs> and then you go, yes, but you didn't. You didn't. Yeah, someone got in before you. Yeah, Miro nailed the blue line. Van Gogh did really go the hard route, didn't he, where he could have just painted a blue square. Yeah, yeah. Why did he have to go on all that detail? Do you remember any animals when you went for a visit? No, I've just in my head, I've just got an image of 
women with hose, you know, like yeah. <laughs> gardening. Garden Can we hose. just say you mean H-O-E-S? Yes, yeah, garden hose. Yeah, I just, I the biggest impression I had was just like people, totally little house on the prairie, but apart yeah. from the very weaponry. Because they were, they were dripping with animals. They've got horses, sheep, goats. They had a deer park oh. and they trained sheepdogs. I... I'm not surprised you went on an excursion there. I'm horrified, but I'm not surprised. See, and then I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I know I went on a youth group camp at some stage and I feel like maybe it was in that area, but it can't possibly, we can't possibly have stayed at Camp David. But I feel like there was another weird camp oh, around there. Maybe it was nearby. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was a, a primary school wine tour <laughs> with a side tour to Camp David. <laughs> Uh, the teacher's yeah. getting drunk on the bus. I mean, and, I, and I go, yeah. how did we end up there? Like, was there a teacher that had some kind of association with it? Or what was the reason that we were there? Like, I know. I have so many questions and you're my only source of answers and you don't have them, but I, I want you to get back trouble. to what a, what a disappointing anecdote. Um, but there's also, I don't remember which year it was. Like, I know a couple of my teachers are still alive, but I can't remember who it was that took us. Yeah. Look, if you're listening from New Zealand, <laughs> Let me know. Someone is bound to know. Life in the compound was weird. Women weren't really allowed to work much outside, so they did a lot of the cow milking and cheese making and cooking and cleaning and that sort of thing. Yeah, all the, all the, the good the, jobs. All the good jobs. All the good jobs that are just murder on your cuticles. <laughs> but the blokes, a lot of them worked outside the cult and then would come home after a day of work and work on the farm and then they'd have I think there were 11 church meetings every week mm. so at least one a day and they'd be some of them would be bible study long into into the night one of them would be the foot washing ceremony and all these things and then they'd go to sleep for a couple of hours and start all over again none of these things are making me go well he had some good ideas like 11 I don't want to live in meetings about anything a week. Yeah, nine of those meetings could be emails. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then the whole thought, I don't want to touch someone else's feet. Well, you probably weren't allowed if you were having a period because that was considered unclean and the women had to wear, had to sprinkle salt in their bras when they had their. Ah. I don't know if that was to soak up the evil. Yeah, maybe. Maybe like the anti- I don't know when you have your period, Satan's in your bra, unless you put unless you put salt in your bra. To okay, maybe I'm getting there is now a range of Camp David episode T-shirts. <laughs> Women weren't allowed to wear purple, red, or black either because that's their royal colours. Ah, and red and black are the Canterbury colours for rugby. That's it's significant. Yeah, you can watch the royal colours on your couch in Dunedin. Yeah. Um, nice. But that's interesting because purple is a, a colour always associated with royalty. Yes, um, and, and Dougie wore a lot of it, of course. Yeah. And he had all these priests, so-called, inverted commas, were in, in robes as well. And one article from the press in New Zealand mm -hmm. uh, said he was heralded, Dougie, of course, he was heralded by robed priests blowing on wild ram's horns imported from Jericho. Of course. What a wanker. What a wanker. And he would give people new names when they joined. Oh, man, he's, he's nailing it all, isn't he? Like he's really 
He's ticking all the boxes. Yes. He's really an unimaginative cult leader. <laughs> um, Serafina, the woman we spoke about in the video, she he named her Miriam. But because Miriam has six letters and six is the devil's number, he stuck a Y in there as well. Uh, uh. <laughs> he's just look, I think he's a bit of a dick. I think he's a he's like a he's like a jazz improviser, isn't he? Like he's just <laughs> Um, he's doing things on the fly. So Miriam, I like that name. Oh, it's six letters. Oh, stick a Y in it. Like he's like he's just yeah. So it's this. You know, okay. If you criticise me, you're shunned. We're not talking to you anymore. One of my favourite sex is banned on Tuesdays because you have to prepare for Holy Communion the next night. On a I don't Wednesday. see why we can't do both. No sex on a Tuesday. <laughs> it makes see you next Tuesday. It gives it a whole. <laughs> You know, don't bother. It flies don't in bother. the face. Don't bother seeing me on a Tuesday. I got nothing no. for you. Uh, check your calendar, buddy. No. Cheerless Tuesday. Nothing's yeah. going on. Um, but also communion on Wednesday night. Like, is that just trying to take uh, take focus off Sunday? Like, is he finally going? I've got to do something original. I think there's already three meetings on Sunday. They had to stick communion in somewhere. <laughs> nothing else is getting stuck in on a Tuesday. That's um something I've been wondering about too. Uh churches uh catholic churches where you share the the chalice for your communion what are they doing at the moment is it like i think it's all water pistols is it oh no that was for baptisms yeah that's wouldn't you be so pleased that social isolation meant you could (laughs) squirt water pistols at babies but but also it's like how much fun would it be to squirt people with red wine in the face i that's my next party that's it (laughs) I'm doing it. And maybe, no, I was about to say a liquid cheese and another one for snacks, but that's just getting. Uh, we, uh, I worked in, a, um, in the airport bar at Christchurch Airport and there was a nacho, you could order nachos, but the cheese that came with the nachos was liquid at room temperature, which is never a great thing. I don't feel good about that. No, and it was, um, you put it in its big bag, you put it into the like the hot water bath and then you'd have to like pump pump it out onto the nachos but the end of the pump had gone and so instead of shooting down it shot straight out and so I would always end up with this horrible yellow yellow cheesy substance on my shirt oh so it's 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 your basic PLPC you pumped lukewarm projectile cheese yeah projectile cheese that's the one that's the one didn't look like cheese though always looked like something far more disturbing and Uh, not a happy time I must admit though that lukewarm liquid cheese is better than no cheese. <laughs> but how close to cheese is lukewarm liquid cheese? Closer than a vacuum. Okay. All right. That's my point. We'll have to agree to disagree on lukewarm liquid cheese. Sounds like a band from the 90s. Happily, and it's, it's really fascinating that this happened before some very bad news came out, but in 1989... Dougie just excused himself from a prayer meeting because he didn't feel well, popped outside the tent, dropped dead. Wow. Died of a heart attack at age 68. What an exit. What an exit. And as we're about to discover in a sec, him dying was good news. But one little fact, after he died, and this is also from the press, it's a periodical called the press, not just, I'm not just referring to the press generally. But apparently, like good apostles, all the followers kept a 24-hour vigil over his body for three days just because days. he's Jesus, so he 
they thought, well, there's a really good chance he's going to be resurrected. And at one point they got really, really excited because the cloud above, there was a cloud above the compound that looked vaguely skull-shaped. No, like, this is it. But I think it was just maybe a skywriter advertising a death metal band. <laughs> uh, but he didn't. He didn't. So for, for a little while his son-in-law, Daryl. Ah, oh, all of these <laughs> fabulous names. Daryl, the, the new messiah. Carried on. This is our Messiah, Daryl. Not got a ring to it, has it? Like, not, not really, not really. Are we changed so, change Serafina's name. Like he, he gave her a name, but couldn't be bothered to do the same for Daryl. Maybe he did. I, mean, I wonder what Daryl's name was before. <laughs> so Dougie died in 1989, and Daryl thought he would return in year 2000. Still waiting. But in 1995, some bad news came out about Douglas. This is where anyone who is very uncomfortable about even fairly brief discussion about sexual abuse should stop listening because Dougie was not a great guy. And I did you find, Cal, that... People talking about this, a lot of the reports, people were more cross that he was an adulterer than oh, the fact that he slept with young girls. Yeah, yeah. It's like in your expense of looking at cults and cult leaders, is there mm. any cult that you've come across where there hasn't been an element of sexual abuse by the leader? Because it really does seem to be. It's very common, but there are there are plenty that don't. And even things like Heaven's Gate, they were wanted to have absolutely no sexuality and some people even popped off and got themselves castrated. Wow. But there is, yeah, money, power and sex are, you know, yeah. that's the holy trinity as far as yeah. cults are concerned. And I guess if you've, if you've already, the women in your cult, you've already convinced them that they're worth less. So And that you're the messiah. Yeah, yeah so you and that your purpose is 50% of your entire life's purpose is to be a tube full of babies. Ugh. Yeah. So in October in 1995, apparently a longstanding member was asking one of the women in the cult was wearing trousers and she said that Metcalf had raped her when she was 12. And when she started talking about that, a lot of other women also uh-huh. came out with their own stories of abuse and they realised that this had been relatively widespread. This meant that the cult pretty much, it didn't last much longer. Its final death knell was told in, the, in 2002, but this was really, really problematic for most members, as it bloody should yeah, be. Yeah. But they even found there was a network of little secret passages and rooms built oh. behind internal walls, which makes that super, super creepy. Yeah, so because it's so calculated and so done to facilitate his abuse of the kids or women. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm so shitty that he didn't have to answer to this as well because yeah. all this came out yeah. after his death. But there are this one hugely brave and dignified ex-member called Rosina Claxton or Rosie Claxton she tells the story and she was told that because she had part Maori heritage 
she needed to be sanctified and that's how that was the excuse. And she was taken into the Metcalf house from 15 until 32. Wow. So it looked like she was adopted, uh, you know, adopted and working as his secretary but was basically his concubine. Ugh. And she wasn't allowed to marry. She did fall in love with another member, but she wasn't allowed to marry him. Just awful. This is, I think this is why, it, you know, if any, if you're in any group that builds a wall, ask yourself why they have to build yeah. a wall around yeah. themselves. Yeah. How terrible for the person or the people that it was happening to, but also for the people around them going, we had no idea, we didn't protect them. Every yes. Like, and this is what everyone seems to say that they, it's kind of how dare you, Dougie? One, you were lying to us. You were preaching piety and purity and loyalty. And then you were doing this. You were damaging people. You made what you preached worthless and you wasted our lives because we followed a lie. It's like, well, now, now nothing nothing that he has ever said can be of value because yeah. of what underlies. It's kind of like, I don't know, this is a great analogy, but it's like Jermaine Greer, like wrote some incredible, fantastic, amazing stuff about feminism early on, but now has said some stuff where I'm like, oh, does that mean that now, because of what you're saying yeah. now about trans people and everything, does that mean now that I, you've just ruined your life's work like that's yeah it's like jk rowling it's kind of how do you are you allowed to like their good stuff if their bad stuff is heinous oh man yeah it's and it's so disappointing isn't it it's so disappointing you know i really like how the world is now where we've got principles and things like the me too movement and black lives matter and that sort of thing we are hyper aware of all the stuff that's gone before and the things that we've done in the past or said or thought or believed that we're based in privilege or naivety or whatever. And so we're quite principled now and we're watching that sort of thing. But it does mean that we have to make decisions about, you know, Michael Jackson's back catalogue, the Harry Potter series. It's a really, it's really difficult to address. And there's, you know, the whole argument of like, do you separate the art from the artist and Yes. So, and I think in Douglas Metcalf's case, no, you don't. No, I mean, not that I sounded almost like I thought he had some good ideas. He was fucked. Um, Oh, absolutely. But then he's just really put the icing on the cake because he's a serial sexual abuser. Like, and also, I've seen photos, and I feel fine about saying this. I don't normally judge people by their appearances, but what an ugly bastard! Looking at you, it's not a surprise that you have done terrible things. I really do make it make a point of avoiding comments about people's hmm. appearances, only about their choices. And But I just think once you've become a cult leader and abused some young girls, no, you're ugly. Yeah. Well, I think you must have been charismatic. Like. By all accounts, yeah. Yeah, because how, I mean, you've got to be such a con artist, don't you, to to do all Oh, that. completely. I almost feel like I should write a second book, which would be, partly tongue-in-cheek, cult leader techniques that you can use in business. <laughs> yeah. Because clearly by the things that they do and get away with, 
They are extremely convincing, extremely influential, can instill loyalty in people and can get the job done. Yeah, and especially, you know, they obviously prey on people who are vulnerable and who want to be part of a community, like who Mm. want to feel like they belong and that they're safe. And if if you're setting up that the outside world is scary and full of sin and you're in the only good place, yeah, how do you do do that for business? yeah, true. Yeah, I guess it's- all right. I'll workshop it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get you to do a pull quote for the company. Totally. Um, so happily, you know, the revelations about Dougie's bad side pretty much killed the cult, yeah. and there was a bit of a tussle over the property. But happily, the courts decided that most of the money from the sale of the property would go to charity and to the ex-followers. Wow, which is good. Um, what a weird thing for the for the court to be involved in at the end, like that no, no one at the time is going, you can't do that. Well, there's no law against running a cult. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like an oversight somehow. It really does. But, uh, you know, I think then the people would just go, um, so all of those religions, how? what's the difference there? Yeah. 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 Um, so, subscriber base, that's what the difference is. Well, we've done... The quirky compound, and we've done the bad stuff. Are there any other random facts that we've missed? Random, random, random facts. I'm talking random facts. I'm talking random facts about cults and that. Cults and that. That is the most perfect thing I've ever heard. I don't know. Just I, I'm stuck on why were we taken there for a school excursion? That is. That is a fact that I would like to establish. Yeah. That's because I'm sure it was a spectacle, but also that's a weird school excursion. It's not like going to science works or the museum. Like it's, I don't know, was it just like here are some people that live a bit differently? It must be. Here's, you know, I suppose there was a self-sufficient element and the oldie timey, you know, old Sydney town yeah. version yeah. thing. Yeah. Or was it, but I did, was it just teachers going, I can't stand one more day in the classroom with these little fuckers? Like, I just can't. Yeah, what's nearby? What's nearby? I've only got a couple of random facts. And one that was, Metcalf was a bloody naturopath and he only used doctors as a last resort. Uh, and doctors were even chosen as a last resort after exorcisms. Oh, man, it's yeah. getting better. Mm. And there's two creative works of significance that are related to Camp David. One is that Rosina, who was the victim that finally spoke out, wrote a book called The Counterfeit Coin about her experience at, at Camp David. And I am i haven't read it. I'm sure it's harrowing but also fascinating because it's about her life there. And she also accompanied Dougie on a few of his trips to the Middle East. So yeah, I, I the think of, the bottom of that is interesting, isn't it? Like the yes. But also there's a New Zealand artist called Ronnie Van Hout. He's based yeah. in Melbourne now, but he had a show in 2012 at the Dowse Art Museum called I've Seen Things, speaking of Blade Runner, and it's based on the cult. So there's a oh. model of the of the compound in this exhibition that, wow. uh, I mean, it's finished now, but, and there's a few video works where he, one's called King One and King Two, and I think he has that 
conversation that's at the end of Blade Runner, but he's playing the role of Dougie Metcalf in this. So it's he did a whole art show based on Camp David. Yeah. I wonder if he went as a primary school child on a school excursion. He lived nearby and so he would walk past there to go some places and he was always really curious. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe he did. Maybe we were on oh. the same school trip. I don't know how old Ronnie is. <laughs> maybe. Look, I really want – zealotpodcast at gmail.com if you went to on a school trip to Camp David. I am fascinated. I wish I hadn't thrown those brochures out. <laughs> Me too. Oh, up to the attic with you. Yeah, I'm straight up after this. In closing, I think I just need to say, hey, I got a lot of faith in you. I'll stick with you, kid. That's the bottom line. Join a cult. Don't actually join a cult. That's fantastic advice. Thank you, Cal. (laughs) Look, if there's anything I can can help uh, turning a slice of heaven into the whole of heaven's nightclub. (laughs) And I know how, I know it's such a cliche for me to talk about a New Zealand cult and mention Slice of Heaven. But, you know, eh. once this is again not cult related, but we, when I first moved here, we did um, Australia's Smartest Comedian. It was like one of those quiz shows. And Kelly hosted it. And she uh, asked me the question, what's the New Zealand song that has the line da 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 because I was going, what the fuck is da 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 da? I didn't get it, and it was slice of heaven. And then all all of the other comedians started saying da 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 or da da not da 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 da. <laughs> not what I carried that with me. Where's your cadence and rhythm? Da 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 da. Look, I think, and I mean this with love. I think you should get over it. <laughs> That's it. I'm off to join a cult. <gasps> Don't. Thank you. You've been listening to Zealot, produced by me, Joe Thornley, on a couch on fire. My co-host for this episode was Cal Wilson, who has never vomited on camera. Further reading and salty bras can be found on the Zealot Facebook page. And music is by the Everglades, the human equivalent of the smell of rain without the inconvenience of wet laundry. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da